do want to talk to you about the seeing into the unseen realm today. And, and the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about the east side of the Jordan River versus the west side of the Jordan River. And uh, let me give you a brief history lesson. When the Israelites were finally coming out of their wilderness, they finally hit the cusp of the promise and it was time for them to enter into the promised land. There was a Jordan River that needed to be crossed. And there were two tribes and a half tribe. The two tribes were Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh, who were livestock people. So they had a lot of livestock. And the Bible says that they were able to see the land on the east side of the river. And they had determined that this land is good enough. The land that we can see is good enough. And so the Bible says that they went, I'm paraphrasing an entire chapter. You understand that right now. Uh, so the Bible says that he went to Moses and they said to him, this land, see, land seems good to us. Do not take us over the Jordan. Now we know in history it says that in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that the, that the other side of the Jordan, the promised land, and I'm going to read it to you, says is a good land. It is a land with brooks. It is a land with streams. It is deep springs gushing out of the valleys and hills. It is a land with wheat. It is a land with barley. It is a land with vines. It is a land with fig trees. It is a land with pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. It is a land where bread will never be scarce and you will lack nothing. It is a land where the rocks and the iron uh, where there are rocks and iron that you can dig and you can dig copper out of the hills. In other words, this is a land of plenty. This is a land where there will be wells that you didn't have to dig. This will be a land where there will be fruit that you did not plant. This is a land where you will reap what you did not sow. This is a land of abundance. This is a land that is not natural. This is a land that is spiritual. And the Jordan River represented the crossing. It represented the barrier from the natural to the spiritual. And I would like to propose to you that Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh settled on a good land, but they missed out on a God land. Come on. I would like to propose to you that they settled on what they could see in the natural because they had no vision. Come on. They had no vision for the spiritual. And today, I want us to capture the idea, the potential. See, the west side of the Jordan represented the potential of your spiritual vision. There was a thing, there was an abundance, there was a promise that God had in mind for me. In fact, in Numbers 13, they even brought back evidence of all that God had said, and yet still, what they could see proceeded, took over, overtook the spiritual. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, while we do not look at the things which are seen, really? While we do not look at the things which are seen, come on, who am I talking to in this room? Who never looks at the things that are seen? Because I'm not talking to me. Because I'm like, wait a minute, I feel a challenge. Because if I'm honest with myself, I live most of my life based on what I can see. I pick my clothes based on what, how they look in the mirror. Come on. I live, I make choices based on what I can see. But this says we don't look at the things which, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And there is a barrier that the enemy has put up. And it seems to me that many of us have settled for a good space. Many of us have settled for the permissible, but we have missed out on the God space and the beneficial. So you can't have it both ways. You can settle where you're at. You can settle in the permissible ways of the kingdom, or you can press on to the beneficial ways of the kingdom. Listen to me. Let me give you some examples. On the east side of the Jordan, we have confession. But on the west side, we have repentance. Come on. Come on. We're a church that's really good at going forward and confessing with no intention to make a change. Wow. It feels good. We get patted on the back by the pastor. We give a public testimony. We confess. It feels good with no action plan to turn away from the thing. You're on the east side of the Jordan. Come on. The east side of the Jordan is sloppy. And the west side is messy. Come on, it's messy over here. It's safe on the east side. On the west side, there's some warfare. There's some battles on the warfare. But I want to talk to you today specifically about crossing the barrier from the seen to the unseen. They had no vision for what was unseen. They lacked spiritual vision. vision. And I wonder who in this room is making decisions based on your natural vision. And not your spiritual vision. I wonder in this room who has settled in the safety of what you can see. You hear a promise. You've even seen in the spirit a promise. But this seems good to me. And a reminder that Moses said, I'll allow it. And there are some things that God has allowed in your life. And you've assumed that that is the best and it's not. Come on, we're talking about the difference between the permissible and the beneficial. I'm going to read to you from, Sim, uh, from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read to you about Simeon. And in verse 25 it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting on the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child to do, to, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he was getting circumcised, he took him up into his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for according to your, words, your word, my eyes have seen your salvation. The salvation which you have prepared before all the face of the peoples and the light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, I wonder, I wonder how many people were in the temple that day. Yet only one recognized the Christ Jesus. Only one recognized the Messiah. Only one had an expectation of something spiritual happening that day and shifted from the natural to the spiritual. And I want to take a look at the man Simeon and ask why is it in my life, what is necessary for me to step from the east side into the west side? Number one, he was a man who was just, meaning he was pure and undefiled. 
Now, if you've read my book, The Pursuit of His Glory, you know that the anointing of the Lord flows out of the character of God. The anointing of God pours out of his glory, who he is, his nature. And many of us chase down the anointing. We chase down spiritual vision, and we think we can live however we want to live on Monday through Saturday. As long as I'm spiritual on Sunday, God's going to open my eyes. You're a fool if you think that. Because let me tell you what, if you think God is only going to open your eyes in this building, you're missing out on your closet. And here's the deal, like God is, wants to open every single person's eyes in here, but you can't, you can't expect him to open your eyes without expecting to make changes in your character. Because he's a God who says, look, I'm going to come and look, y'all understand, the Holy Spirit is the helper in your life, he's not the doer. Come on, that's a good word, Pastor. He's a helper in you. Some of us are waiting on God to do it, and God is like, man, I'm waiting for you to clean some crust out of your eyes. Some of the things you've been looking at have put crust in your eyes. There's some stale substance that's in your eyes. There's some things that need to be wiped out of your mouth. There's some things that need to be wiped out of your mouth. There's some things that need to be wiped out of your mind. I want to show you these things in the spirit, but you can't stay who you are and go where he wants to take you. If you want to go to the west side, you got to make changes in your life. Simeon was a just and a devout man. He was devoted. Listen. Listen to me. It says he was devoted. He was filled with faith. This means he was totally committed. I would like to share with you that Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh were willing to enter into the promised land to help them battle. But they said, but when we're done battling, when we are sure that our brothers have taken the land, we're going to go back and settle in our comfortable side. Come on, we do this at church. We go to church on Sunday and we battle for an hour, which is like... 0.7% of your life, by the way. And then we go over this way at home, and we live on the east side, Monday through Saturday, and we think, I'm, going, I'm settling on the west side because I come to church once a week. And this is what they did. They went to, they went to the west side, and they, and they battled, and they justified their east side by saying, well, we'll go, and we'll battle once a week. But then I'm going to come back to my house. I'm going to be ugly to my kids. I'm going to be ugly to my spouse. I'm going to talk bad about my neighbors. And I'm going to be rude to my husband. I'm going to be rude to my boss. I'm going to be angry in my heart. I'm not going to forgive the person who offends me. I'm going to be offended. But on Sunday, I'll go forward and confess really quick and act like everything's just fine. And then I'll really be angry with God because he doesn't show me things in the spirit. Too much? Is it too much? Is it too much? Look, for an hour we experience the supernatural. We warfare in the spirit while we're at church. We puff up our chest with pride because, because we can withhold from gossip for an hour while we're at church. Because it's not cool. Like I can withhold from gossip for an hour while I'm at church. For a moment we step out of our depression and we feel a speck of God's joy. But the minute we go home and we see the mess in our house, we allow that depression to overtake us. And we wonder why we're not seeing into the spirit realm. Listen, God is not a VRBO. <laughs> He's not a place where you go to visit on vacation. He is your sweet abode. The Bible says that you should abide in Christ. That means he is my home. He is where I hang my hat. He is where I do not leave. He is my safe place. He is where I find myself at home. He is where I find myself secure. He is not a place to visit and then leave. And then to visit and then to leave. That is not who he is. And the Bible says that Simeon 
was a devout man, meaning he was devoted. He was totally committed. He did not play the hokey pokey with the spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He was led by the spirit into the temple and by the spirit, his eyes revealed what everybody else missed. He was not a man who came and went. He was a man who was abiding. And I ask you today, do you abide in the spirit? Number three, he was expectant. Meaning he was hopeful. He was watchful. He was expectant. Listen to me. What are you positioning yourself to see? The Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble, to set your mind on these things. God is saying position your mind to see, to expect to see the good things, the spiritual things. I'm looking for God. We talked in my class like last week. I taught a workshop yesterday, and I said, I'm afraid that we as a people of God have gotten more in tune with how the demons in our life work, how they play in our life, the things that we are weak to. We're more aware of the demonic realm than we are of the Holy Ghost realm, than we are of the angelic host realm. And we talk about what the devil's doing in our life. And I ask you this, what are the angelic hosts doing in your life? Are you positioning yourself to see? Are you talking about the things of God? What are your eyes set upon? The Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. That idea of mind there is the Greek word phreneo. It means to exercise your thoughts. And to cultivate the affection of your heart on things above. And when you're talking about your husband and you're talking about your problems and you're talking about your life, your mind is not set on things above. You are not exercising a thought of Christ. You are exercising the thought of your natural. I'm not trying to diminish that some of us are really walking through these difficult experiences. But if that's where the period ends in your sentence, you're not stepping into the west side. So you can say, man, look, I'm really struggling with depression. I feel just this heaviness. I don't know what's going on. I feel the darkness of the world. But man, I know God says that there is a joy of the Lord that is supernatural, that is spiritual. And so I can stand on the west side. I can speak into the east side. I can say, what is wrong with you, oh, my soul? Don't you know that God is good? Be lifted up. Come on. Don't you know that God is good? Don't you know that God is your Savior? Don't you know that God loves you? Don't you know that God's blood has rescued you? Don't you know I can stand on the west side and I can speak to the understand? I'm standing in the spirit, man. I'm speaking to my carnal man and I'm telling it to get right with God. I'm taking authority over my own life. But here's what happens is a lot of times we're on the east side going, I don't know how to get over there. Can you come get me? Why is everybody else over there and I'm not? Anyways, my husband's a jerk. And we wonder why we can't get to this side. It's a real thing. We need to gain a king kingdom perspective. Perhaps all you see is what, you're, what you already know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this delicately, but also directly. <laughs> Paul had scale, or Saul had scales put upon his eyes. There had to be a blinding to what he thought he knew. Because it was what he thought he knew that kept him from seeing into the spirit. 
And the Bible says in the Passion Translation that when Ananias came and laid hands on him, that there was a crusty type substance upon his eyes. And I would like to propose to you that some of us have a knowing in our knower that's not from God. It's from your knowledge. It's from your reasoning. It's from your education. It's from your pastor. It's from your religion. It's from your past. It's from your experience. It's from your spouse. It's from your neighbors. It's from your mommy and your daddy. And it's caused a crusty scale over your eye and it's keeping you from seeing into the spirit. And God is saying today, wipe out your eyes. See, he says in Revelation 3 to the lukewarm church, come on, anoint your eyes with the salve of the kingdom. Yes, come on. But he says, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered into the mind of any man except by the Holy Spirit. Except by the Holy Spirit. It goes on and Paul says, but man, I can only compare spiritual things to spiritual things. And in chapter 3, it goes on and he says, I wish I could talk to you about spiritual things, but I can't because you're carnal people. Because you say you're living over here, but you're really not. You're filled with envy. You're filled with strife. You're filled with contention. You're talking bad about your neighbors. You're cussing like a sailor. And here you are over here on the east side, and I want to talk to you about things over here. I want to talk. Come on. We know those people. You try to have these conversations, they're like, uh-huh. And I'm like, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Because their mind is, is focused on all their problems, all of their flesh, all of their pain, all of their, all of the, the, all of that stuff. I'm going to move on. He was surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 says he was surrendered to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that you can have the Holy Spirit but not be surrendered to it? I like to tell people there's a difference between you having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you. There's a big difference. And here's the deal, like you have to be willing to recognize maybe he doesn't have all of me. Maybe he doesn't have all of me before you can step into that next level of he's going to have all of me. If there's anything left, Lord, take it. If there's anything left, Lord, you can have it. If there's anything left, but a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, I've already done that. Oh, yeah, I've had done that. Yeah, I've already done Oh, yeah, I already know. But do you know? But do you know by the spirit of the Lord? James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. That means to be subject to. Resist the devil and he will flee for you. What are you subject to? Because I would like to propose that some of us in this room have subjected or submitted ourselves to fear instead of resisting. And instead of resisting the devil, you're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because it says two things. It says, submit yourself to God, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and resist the devil. And some of us fear, come on, some of us fear the west side. And we resist the work of God. Some of us just think it's too weird. So we end up resisting the Holy Spirit, thus surrendering and submitting. You understand that permissible is demonic. Passivity is demonic. Oh, oh is that too much? Because it got real quiet here all of a sudden. Passivity... Come on, y'all, we're too smart in here to be taken in by the overt sins. So the enemy is covert, and he's like, well, you could just wait a little longer. When God said to, to, to do it today. And what happens is we end up submitting to our flesh, submitting to our fear, submitting to our reasoning, submitting to what we can see. And in exchange, we end up resisting the work of the Holy Ghost in our life. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. We say we want this, but we 
we're unwilling to do what it takes to get there. We're unwilling to say there are some things in my life I've got to repent of. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 20-ish, it says there are two kinds of utensils in the kingdom, in a palace. There is a utensil that is inlaid with silver and gold, and it is brought out for special use. And then there's the ordinary utensil. It's wooden and it's earthenware, and it's used for everyday ordinary use. This is the wooden earthenware utensil. I'm after the inlaid with the silver and gold. But in that process, there's a reminder to Timothy that we have to repent to get to that place. That there are some things in your life that have to be removed to get into that. See, we want to, do, we want to stand like this. Uh, the river was 100 feet where they crossed it, by the way, in spring when the, when the drought was really high and the turbulence. It's, it's funny how God works sometimes. I'm like, look, if you look at a map of the Jordan, this is all for free. If you look at a map of the Jordan River where they crossed, it says he crossed over where the Jer Jericho was. It's actually the widest part of the river, which doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be honest. If I'm one of the 40,000, I'd be like, Joshua, you don't know what you're doing. Where did Moses go? Because if Moses was here, he would take us across the skinniest side of the river, and he definitely wouldn't do it during the spring when the current is the most turbulent. There are so many things about that story that didn't make sense. And two and a half tribes decided, we'll cross over, but we're coming back because this land seems good enough to me. Come on, how many of you feel like this is good enough? If I never changed, oh, God's rescued my heart. I'm good, I'm comfortable. I'm not talking about being stuck in depression, addiction. I'm talking about just being comfortable, being content in the name of Jesus. And saying, well, I guess this is it. I guess I've arrived. This is all God has. But here's the deal. If you're not dead, God's not done. There's something more that God wants to do for you. And he's trying to call us into the west side of the river. How am I doing on time? Good. Okay. Spiritual vision. So let's talk about spiritual vision for, more, for, for a moment. And I want to talk very seriously about what is spiritual vision. When Simeon had spiritual vision, there are two things that we can see. Two things that we learn from him. One, he sees what everybody else misses. Simeon was able to see what everybody else missed. His eyes were opened beyond the natural. If you remember the story of uh, Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, where he says he's, he's going in and there's, uh, the enemy is coming round about them. You remember his servant was freaking out, was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be overtaken. And, and Elisha's like, cool as a cucumber. Dude, chill out. Look, all right, I'll pray that the Lord will open your eyes so you actually catch a vision of what's really going on. You actually begin to catch a spiritual perspective because you're so focused on what you can see, you don't even see the victory. And yesterday I taught a workshop and I actually demonstrated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up here for a moment as long as I don't squeal. And I want you to be reminded that God says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That we are seated with him in the third heavens. Quick teaching, first heavens is where we are seated right now in the natural. Second heavens is where the spiritual realm is, armies, angelic hosts, demonic principalities, the battles. Third heavens, up here. And so if you and I are positioned in Christ, it means I have a perspective from the third heavens and I get to look down upon the demonic realm, the angelic host, and I get to look down upon the natural realm. Come on. 
and I'm in a position of authority. Oh, I see it now, God. I see my position. I see the big, I see I don't have to get my butt kicked by that thing. I see it now, God. You don't know why? Because I'm positioned up here. And I said yesterday, but a lot of us are positioned down here. We're in the first realm and we're like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. God, can you help me? Can you, can you, can you come down and help me, God? And we're begging from the first heavens because we can't get out of that space long enough and get into the third heavens and recognize, hey, if I'm up here, the enemy can't come down on my back. So a lot of us are like laying on the ground. We're all about our first round. We're on the east side, all in the midst of what we can see. And we're begging God like a pauper in the kingdom when he says you are a king and a queen, a prince and a princess. You are my royalty. And we have to be able to position ourselves seated in the third heavens so that we can see what other people don't see. When all the world is telling you that your circumstances are doom and gloom, do you see what they don't see? Do you ask the Lord to open your eyes? Do you say, oh, look, I don't see it. I don't feel it. But I know that there are more for me than are against me. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But I know that if God is for me, no man, no one, no principality can come against me. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Come on. I'm not talking about what you see in the natural. I'm not talking about what you feel in the natural. I'm talking about what you know in the spirit. That there's a knowing in my knower that God has given me a vision to recognize. And in the spirit, I shifted from this position to this position. And all of a sudden, I realized I have the victory. God gives me the victory. I am victorious. I am a conqueror in Christ. I'm not a loser. I'm not failing. I'm not broken. I'm not poor. Come on, let's get, let's get some perspective here. That's what this is saying. So spiritual vision opens your eyes to see not what others miss, but also what you've been missing. Well, I think we need to have a little FOMO today. We need to have a little fear of missing out. Come on, can we just imagine for a moment what was happening in the spirit realm when Kenneth was ministering? Was it just a natural man pulling on a hem of God, trying to loose? No, there was angelic presence in this room. There were, they were ministering. This wasn't Kenneth ministering to somebody. There were ministers of healing, angelic hosts of carrying the presence of God, moving in this room. But because we're like this, And then we got our mind going, I don't see anything. I don't see him getting healed. I don't have to see him get healed to know he was healed today. I don't have to see him get healed to know. I don't have to see you get healed to know that you're healed today. I don't need a doctor's report because you can't be touched by God and stay the same. The presence of the Lord can't touch somebody and that person isn't changed. Every place that Jesus went, life happened, healing happened, deliverance happened. Every place that he went, because when he entered into a room, come on, you understand, you carry that presence. A lot of us are like, come on, Jesus. And he's like, bro, you got it. Like, what are you crying out to me for? Raise the staff, heal the man. That's what he says. Not, he doesn't say it that way, but that's my, my own interpretation. All right, so we're seated in the third. Secondly, and I want you to hear me, hear me say this, and I'm going to end with this. 
Simeon recognized the work of God before it was completely matured. While it was still in a very infant, a very small stage, I can't help but uh, think of Elijah when he saw the cloud the size of a man's hand. And he was like, that's it! That's all I need! My faith has been activated! I'm declaring that a storm is coming! Y'all, no, I would have been like, no, that can't be it. It's got to be a big cloud. It can't be. Uh, we've been in drought for X amount of years, and this tiny, tiny little cloud the size of a man's hand. That's seeing the work of God while it's still in an infant stage. And I would like to propose to you that some of you can't even look in the mirror and see the work of God because all you see is the infancy of your faith. And God is wanting to open your eyes to the spirits that when you look in the mirror, you don't see the natural. You don't see your failures. You don't see your circumstances. You don't see your demons. But what you see is the Holy Ghost in you. And you have to step back because it's so bright and so overwhelming. And you recognize that I am a lion and a lioness in the spirit. And have you seen this? Yes. And a lot of us wonder why we can't recognize the work of God around us. Is because you can't even recognize the work of God within you. You're still talking about the things in your past when God says, don't you know I wiped that record clean? Don't you remember that I said as far as the east is to the west, so I have removed that from you? Don't you know that I have not only restored the ear of the soldier, but there's no evidence of Peter's sin? Come on, this is what he's talking about. And a lot of times we look in the mirror and all we see is what the devil wants us to see. I'm telling you, our eyes are more in tune to the, to the natural realm than they are to the spirit realm. And if you're in tune to the natural realm, the devil's showing you stuff. He's showing you stuff. He's giving you flashes of your failure. He's giving you flashes of your wounds. He's giving you flashes of your smallness. He's telling you you're a grasshopper in the spirit. He's lying to you. He is a liar. When he moves his mouth, he's lying. And if you are seeing, if you are looking, if you are peering, if you are standing in the natural realm, the devil is showing you things. Don't call it God when it's the devil because you've got to be in the spirit realm and God will open your eyes to see the unseen realm. Come on, we've got to believe it today. we got to believe it today. But from here to here, I'm telling you, from here to here, something's got to break. Yes. From here to here, something's got to be repented of. That's not a very popular message anymore. We don't talk about repentance, but it's got to happen. There are some things. I want you to close your eyes for me for a moment. Ken, if you want to come up and play. I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal one barrier in your life. We're just asking for one. Come on, we all know we got lots, right? One barrier. I just want to know one barrier today, God, that I need to deal with. One thing in my life that has settled in the, in the space of permissible that has kept me from seeing into the unseen realm. Come on, we're just going to do it one at a time. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. God, show us the one thing. The psalmist cried out, search me. Seek me. See if there be any wicked way of me. I want to know if there's anything in my life that is offensive to you. Anything that I have settled in that is permissible but not beneficial. That has kept me from crossing the barrier into the west side story. I want to peer into the unseen realm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want you to see yourself looking in a mirror. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see what he sees. To see your bigness to see the spiritual, to see the supernatural in you. I want you to allow him to open your eyes. And in this, also, there is a place of repentance. God, I repent that when I've looked in the mirror, I've seen failure. 
I repent that when I've looked in the mirror, I've seen sickness. When I looked in the mirror, I've seen discouragement. I've seen disappointment. I see old. And God, I repent of those things today. We're going we're gonna to just kind of have a call to repentance because I can't take you. Look, I can lay hands on you. When David went to Saul, and when he went to Saul, those demons left. But when he left, those demons came back. That's not what we're doing today, Kenneth. That's not what we're doing. Like, I don't want you to come forward, and when you come in my presence, your demons leave. But when you leave this building, they come back. And so demons will come and go. They will leave while, while you're in my presence, while you're in Pastor Gary's presence, while you're in Gennett, because they cannot be in our presence. But unless you deal with the thing that allows that demon to remain, because a curse without a cause cannot alight, unless you deal with the thought pattern, with the belief, with the sin in your life, and unless you repent of it, the minute you leave this building, that demon's going to come back. Then you know what you're going to do? that God didn't heal you. When the reality is, is God's calling you not to be healed today. He's calling you to repent so that healing can be loosed. He's calling you to repent so that spiritual vision can be loosed. He's calling you to repent so deliverance can just happen. It's really not that hard because a curse without a cause cannot remain. And so if we remove the cause in our life, if we remove the sin in our life, if we cut it off at the root, that demon has to go. That barrier, that scale on be loose. The crust has to be removed. And the sweet salve, the sweet salve of the Holy Spirit will be loosed upon your eyes and you'll begin to see yourself a way you've never seen yourself before. You'll begin to see people the way you've never seen them before. You won't see their addiction. You won't see their failure. You won't see their smallness. Come on, David's dad missed it. He didn't see what the prophet saw. He didn't even put David in the lineup. Because he was looking for the next king in the natural. Saul fit the part in the natural. But spiritually, David was the man. And today, some of you are looking and you're saying, I don't fit the part. I feel like God has called me to X. But I don't look the part. I don't fit the part. And God is saying, baby, that's because you're looking at yourself with natural eyes. And today, as you begin to confess, I've been seeing myself too small. As you begin to confess, I've allowed fear to navigate my choices. As you begin to confess, I've allowed my comfort zone to determine my capacity. Whatever it is, I'm, de I'm declaring today, come on, I'm just speaking prophetically out in the house, that the, the salve of the kingdom is going to be released on your eyes. We're not just talking about a wiping away of the crust. We're talking about the salve, the anointing, of the Holy Ghost beginning to open your eyes. But you better get ready. You better get ready. 